When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to our brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. If this is your first Geekscape, this is what we do here. We talk to storytellers about why they tell stories. Maybe they come from movies, video games, comic books, TV. Maybe they're singers. Uh, maybe, like last week, they played in the NFL. That was a pretty cool episode, going down and talking to Chris Cluey, who used to kick for the Vikings, and talk to him about competitive gaming and how it compared to playing in the NFL. I bet you guys didn't expect that to come on the feed, but it's a pretty awesome episode if you guys want to go back and check it out. I just love talking to storytellers. Um, tell your friends about Geekscape. Hit the subscribe button if you're a new uh, listener. And maybe you found us because of my current guest, who um, we all kind of grew up with. I know I did. Now you say it's better than saying you threw up with me. No, no, no. I, I, I grew, grew up, up with you. With I, I'm, I'm just going to change your mic so that it's a little more under <laughs> okay. your... Mouth. There we go. And uh, there Thank we go. There we go. So when you turn to me, now, it, now it's yes, ready. You but grew up with me. Okay. I grew up with you, and what's awesome about it is that we all did, and I could read your Wikipedia or your IMDb and tell people who Rob Paulson is, but... It's extensive, and there's no way I have time for this, Well, Rob. thank you. Let's, we can start with Yakko. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're Yakko and Animaniacs. Yes. I obviously am a Raphael fan oh, cool. from the original dude. TMNT. Yeah. And then you played Donatello I did. later on. Nobody cares what I look like, Jonathan, so I got to be Donatello 25 <laughs> years later. That's the coolest <laughs> gig in the world. 50% of the Ninja Turtles. And, and here's the thing. Uh, my producer, George, when he, when, when he said, hey, this is Rob Paulson, I'd heard of you because your voiceover is so extensive, your voiceover career is so extensive, and the cartoons is a big part of the pop culture and it what is. we do here on Geekscape. Um, but I said, hey, just a warning, George. I like Animaniacs. I was a little too old when mm-hmm. Animaniacs came out, and I don't quite have a connection to the material. And he turned around and said, "Oh, he also did Snorks and GI Joe oh, and, I, and Transformers." And I said, "I'm in. I'm in. It's easy. Thank I can you. I can talk to this guy." God bless you. If buddy. you played Snow Job on GI Joe, uh, I can talk you. to you. <laughs> I did Snow Job. I had that sort of uh, down east of Boston accent there. <laughs> Well, I was a. Uh, I always thought that was a little bit odd. By the way, those are the first co- cartoons I ever did were GI yeah. Joe and Transformers. Um, and I thought when I saw him in the show, when it finally started airing a year later or whatever, I, I thought, well, that's interesting. Here's a guy who is a, an alpine soldier, <laughs> all dressed in white, mm-hmm. white weapon, with a bright red beard. And I thought, well, Jesus Christ, any Ruski worth his salt could pick that guy off in 300 yes. yards. He's got a bright beard on. Shave your beard off, you idiot. But nonetheless, it was a great 
entree into the world of you know voice acting uh, because I like virtually everyone who had, who came out here at that time came out to ply our trade in the traditional manner uh, live action and music in my case I was a singer who became an actor and I was doing all that um, mm -hmm. but then uh, we were discussing earlier how we look back at our careers and we say oh my goodness I, I put myself in a position to get lucky and by that I mean I knew that I had gone pretty much as far as I could go doing local music and theater back in Michigan and Detroit and all that that it was time to come out to LA um, and lo and behold probably six years after I got here the opportunity presented itself to do animation and it took me about five minutes to think this is the gig man nobody cares what I look like I'm around Michael Bell and Jack Angel and and um, just wonderful actors Jonathan Winters uh, Peter oh. Cullen Frank Welker over and over and over and over and over brilliant many of whom I recognized from episodic television and they were limited only by their creativity mm -hmm. and so for a young guy uh, who is you know when you get an audition for Hill Street Blues or McDonald's the first thing you are asked or they, they, they look at is are you the right height are you the right color are you, your hair blah 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 thin fat whatever so before you open your mouth at all before you deliver one line and show them what kind of chops you got you're already limited by the way you look and that's just the way it is I got no problem with that but with respect to animation that is not even part of the equation and it still isn't so it's a I'm glad I my ego could take it well I mean how old are you when that, when that happened and that what, what are those 30, six years I was probably 30 it wait a minute uh, probably 30-ish. Okay, yeah, you're 30-ish, but you come out of, of school in Michigan, mm -hmm. and like you said, you kind of that, that pond dried up. I'm mm -hmm. guessing maybe you did the theater and you did well, a yeah, a lot of music and, and stuff and all that. I, I wasn't doing. I was doing more theater and music. No live, no film work mm -hmm. back there. But, yeah. Um, I think it, the only person filming in Michigan at the time was Sam Raimi. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I like think Sam right. Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Rob Taper were running How around that? Yeah, making I know their it, Three Stooges shorts. There were people there. Jerry Bruckheimer uh -huh. and, and um, uh, Francis Coppola, of course, was from there, but you know had left years after right. years before. But yeah, it was not about doing on-camera work. It was about music and theater and preparing myself to go to L.A. or New York. And L.A.'s got the beach, and I love to drive, so I came here. Mm -hmm. um, in those six years, like, what did that look like? The six years before Interesting. you did it, because I think that that's the toughest moment in your. Yeah. I, I I would not wish the twenties on anybody. Yeah, it's. Tough. I think you're. Tw How old is your son? My son is now thirty-five. In those twenties, yeah. are rough. They are. You know, and they are not to blame parents for this, but you want to encourage your kids, and you encourage them, and they go to school or they go into their twenties uh, with the promise of mm -hmm. hey. You're great. You're talented. You're all these things people have told you. The world then immediately starts telling them otherwise. <laughs> right. The world kicks in the ass. It's true. And I have to say that, boy, thank you for saying that. This is already, I knew that I would enjoy this, and I, I, I already am, because your question is very pithy. Um, not to bring, be too much of a downer, but when I was speaking at my father's funeral years ago, the, the one thing that I was so grateful for is his ability to... Um, uh, imbue me and my siblings with a sense of utter personal responsibility. That is to say, look, you were born into a nuclear family who loved you in a beautiful state, in the greatest country in the world. You're a couple, you know, you're a bunch of white kids. You mm -hmm. already have kind of won the lottery. And we were, it was clear to us that there are a lot of people who out of the chute have it tougher than you guys. So, whatever you want to do, 
it's up to you. You, the, the world does not owe you a dime. And that was imbued in me from the time I was very young, not in an angry way, just, sure. you know, you've got grandparents that came from the old country and they made it here. Trust me, you'll be fine. It doesn't always work out. You might get hit by a car. You might marry somebody who cheats on you. You might be embezzled, whatever. But you're already ahead of the game for a lot, compared to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I got to LA, in my, I was 22 when I got here. Um, so that's relatively young, but uh, with respect to my age, I'd already had three years, I'm sorry, uh, about three years of live performing. Lots of music, clubs, all that stuff, lots of theater, traveling around. I'd already blown it on stage countless times. I knew that it wasn't a death sentence. It's not the end of the world. Auditioned for things, not got them. Auditioned for things and got them. So when I got here, nothing happened to me, Jonathan, that I didn't, that I didn't expect. Right. I expected it to be competitive. I don't think I knew until I got here what it's like to walk in room and see, oh my God, everybody in this room looks like they could be my brother. Yeah. I mean, one, some of them are a little taller, some are a little shorter, but they wanted an average-looking Caucasian kid. <laughs> here we are. You're a needle in a haystack, uh, though. And totally. how, how do you dig yourself out of the haystack when you're that needle? That is, well, and th therein is the example of, of how wonderful animation is. Because up to the point that I started getting cartoons, um, I would go and audition. And I had enough chops. I think two things. Because I'd already had relatively a, a relative large amount of experience relative to my age. And I didn't expect it to be a walk in the park. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect somebody to say, oh, you're a lovely young man. Here's a, here's a series. Sure. Um, I expected to take a couple of punches. So I was ready for it. But then I started getting a few gigs. Um, a couple of them were just based on how I looked uh, commercial-wise. I right. did probably 30 on-camera commercials, which are all great experiences, wonderful on-camera stuff. A lot of them had dialogue. Some didn't, whatever. And then I got uh, episodic television. It was a natural progression, St. Elsewhere, um, Hill Street, I think. Um, MacGyver. MacGyver, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, amazing stories, all those things in the, the uh, Spielberg one. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you were like, it was totally Animaniacs. You were like, I worked with I got, you before. Yeah, well, this Don't was before Animaniacs. This. I, this yeah. was, I worked with them on E.T. as well. Oh, I, wow. Um, what did you do on E.T.? Well, I, do, I did a lot of looping, as we were sure. discussing earlier. Um, I, I, had, I was in a loop group with, what a, boy, what a bunch of incredible. Nancy Cartwright, who you guys know as Bart mm -hmm. Simpson, and Corey Burton, wonderful voice actor, Tress McNeil, Phil Hartman. Um, John Paragon and Phil, John B. They were all on E.T. All in these. No, well, yeah. Now, I don't remember Phil being in right. E.T. Phil and I worked together on Spaceballs. That's doing, amazing. Doing a lot of, uh, yeah, background voices uh -huh. on Spaceballs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when I worked on E.T., I got a call from somebody that said, hey, come on up to Universal. There's a new Steven Spielberg show, and they've got a couple of days for you to do with a loop group. And the movie was called A Boy's Life at yeah. that time. And Stephen came in, and the creature was blacked out on the screen. Uh, but we, I did a bunch of voices of doctors, and they wanted to juice up the, you know, background uh, stuff. But um, so anyway, I, I was making my living, but again, I was limited by and large in auditions that I would get to, to first and foremost the way I look. Like my mm -hmm. agent would call and say, "Hey, Rob did a great job on St. Elsewhere. We're now looking for another 25-year-old." Blah 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 blah, and. And that's just the nature of the beast. It you could is. have been in the Brat Pack. I could have. Thank you. Had the, had, had had the had left been, turned yep. to right, you would right. have been in the Brat Pack. I could have. I was a brat for sure. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, 
when my agent called and said, okay, you've been here for a while. Have you ever thought about doing animation? I said, well, sure, I just want to work. Mm -hmm. I loved cartoons. Like Richard Grieco's not going to steal my job That's there, right. is he? Exactly. I don't have to worry about Andrew McCarthy. I want to go ahead and do... <laughs> and so I, I, I said, of course, but I didn't come here with that in mind only because I knew that June Foray and Mel Blanc and Dawes Butler and Don Messick and the usual gang of suspects mm -hmm. did all of it because there were a handful of shows all relegated to Saturday morning. Then that started to change, and I was in the right place, and I jumped at the opportunity, not because I wanted to do it instead of, I just want to work. Was that right place the onset of cable? Probably, You know, because yes. obviously everybody coming out of the Hanna-Barbera school and everybody coming out of the, you know, things like Flintstones and everything that was going totally. up through the 70s, mm -hmm. it's almost like what happened with the internet now. Exactly right, and this you, was before... Uh, DVDs, this sure. is before VHS tapes. So suddenly there's a hundred channels versus three Correct. channels. Correct. And a desire for product. So the old guard is is shifting and, and, totally. and it affected animation in a huge way. Mm -hmm. uh, do you like that documentary Waking Sleeping Beauty that they did about the transition Disney oh, went I, through? Oh, no, I've never seen that. I'm going to watch Geekscape that. Geekscape is Waking Sleeping Beauty? It's called Waking Sleeping Beauty cool. and it's about when um, Eisner and those guys took over Disney and they were going to close the animation division because oh. uh, they had just fired Don Bluth because oh, yeah. of the, 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 the black collar right. in black, yeah. and live action was still making tons of money for Disney and they looked at the animation division and said what are we even wasting our money for this? Oh, can you imagine? And so they took uh, Katzenberg and Eisner and they said alright let's, let's just give it one last shot let's put the animation division in a warehouse in Burbank it doesn't even need air conditioning. <laughs> and let's see what we can put together. And it was the birth of Pixar. It was the yeah. birth of Little Mermaid yeah, and all those Lion things that, yeah. that turned into the Lion King and the Which Beauty and the Beast Oscar. Yeah. And now Disney Animation's a thing. The, the thing. It's the well, thing. We're just, we're just on the, uh, the, the post-release um, of Disney Plus. And mm -hmm. it's just, he, friends of mine have called and said, hey, Mr. Paulson, do you know that you've got six shows on Disney Plus that I used to do during the Disney yeah. afternoon? Goose Troop and Gummy Bears. and I'm surprised you only have six. I, well, in Disney, in the yeah, Disney realm. of course. Um, I worked on all of them. Yeah. DuckTales, uh, Duck Rescue Rangers, uh, all that stuff. But uh, Darkwing Duck, I was a regular on that mm -hmm. show. But it's, it, is, it is a thing, and I think you're correct. I, I didn't know it at the time, but the timing for guys like me and Charlie Adler... Uh, Greg Berger um, was just excellent mm -hmm. because we were around and we started getting gigs that had nothing to do with the way we looked. And um, then people said, hey, somebody told me that you can sing. Is that right? I said, oh, yeah. Can you sing in character? I said, and of course, if somebody says you're an actor, can you roller skate and can you skydive? Right. You say, yeah. absolutely. I was about to ask, how much of that is confidence yeah. and how much of that was... It's hubris, for it's sure, hubris. because yeah. I said, of course. And I thought, well, now, wait a minute. What do you mean by singing character? I just said, yes, I can, because I really, I rarely said no to anything. No, jump was, and then figure out how to fly on the way down. That's right, exactly, right. Jonathan. I'll figure out how to pull the ripcord on the <laughs> right. way down. So I said, you bet. And it turns out I could. Um, and that was also something that I'd cultivated from the time I was quite young because my heroes were Peter Sellers and... The Pythons and Jonathan Winters and Lucille Ball and Red Skelton and all the usual suspects, Carol Burnett. So I would cultivate my own character simply because it made my soul happy, and I would sing in them. But I would sing also, um, you know, the Pythons wrote a bunch of songs in which I would sing um, um, novelty songs in character, not at all thinking one day it would be a way in which I would pay for dog food. It, it, it was something that just made me happy. Mm -hmm. And 
as they say, opportunity or luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And I was prepared. The opportunity presented itself. I started singing in character. And I said, "Oh, wow! This now this puts you in a different category because now you can not only create characters and you're a good improv guy and you're not afraid to play. It isn't about how you look. Your ego's in check, um, and you can sing. Uh, now you're talking. And then a few years later, um, I was really going through that whole experience and. Talk about having your pitch. Uh, I've been working on Tiny Toon Adventures um, for a couple of years with Tom Ruger, Gene McCurdy, and Steven Spielberg and that crew. And then we heard about this thing called Animaniacs that was about music, that was about big orchestra, every half hour, clean sheet of paper, original music. I can read music. Mm. Um, and it's the only time in my life in which I've walked up to my producer friends who produced that show and said, if you don't hire me for this, you're making a mistake. And that wasn't hubris. That was utter confidence. But I've, I know the difference, and it wasn't arrogance. It was just like, I'm so ready for this. And I've worked with you guys on 50 episodes of Tiny Toons. You know what I can do. I've got Ninja Turtles behind me now, a couple of other things that are well-known, and, and the characters are utterly different. So you know I'm able to be, I can do this. And I had to audition like everybody else, but I ended up getting the job, and um, and I was right. It really, if Ninja Turtles changed my career trajectory, then Animaniacs changed my life because it was a big deal. Well, Ninja Turtles almost Ninja Turtles was first consigned for five episodes. Yeah, and paid I love, for by the toy company. Love the story of Ninja Turtles because I've had Kevin Eastman on the show. Isn't he something? He's awesome. And down um, to earth. By the way, you guys, you need to hear this. Kevin Eastman, and I don't, I've never met Peter, but I've not heard anything at all right. difficult about Peter. Kevin, we, Jonathan and I both know him, but it's so wonderful to meet someone who has created something that is utterly iconic. I mean, all over the world, the most down-to-earth, kind, I saw him in San Diego Charitable. at Comic-Con at a bar this summer and just went up to him and said hi. We, we talked for oh a little bit about him coming back on the show. I'd love to do Isn't it. Isn't he the greatest? And he's just down to earth and he, and, and he remembers. Everything. He was maybe on the show, Geekscape, I don't know. He may have been on the show 2010, 11, and remembered everything. Um, and we had a great conversation. Total gentleman. I definitely had to pinch myself throughout that conversation because oh. the Ninja Turtles was my franchise. Yeah. I mean, my, my younger brother was G.I. Joe. My older brother was Transformers. I was the Ninja Turtle guy. And he tells that story about how he and Peter got yeah. that guy to represent them. Isn't that And he only gave them 30 days or something. When they created this little ash can, black and white indie comic totally making fun of Daredevil. I, was it, I think it was... Kevin's aunt that gave him a couple of grand to make yeah. their, car, their comic book. And then they hire the guy, they give him, or a friend of theirs, or whoever's representing them, gives him 30 days. So he goes to the toy company, and the toy company says, We're not going for this unless it's a cartoon. So he goes to the cartoon company, and they aren't going to go for it unless it's a toy. A kid from and then Maine. He, he lies to them. Yeah. And says, Oh, yeah, it's a toy. How about or that? it's a cartoon? He lies, to, he, he lies, he does one chicken before the before egg. Before the egg, yes. And Suddenly, that's where you can make the argument that it was, it was meant to be. Because we're talking now about a franchise by Kevin's own admission that has generated six billion dollars yep. in merchandise. Not all of it went to Kevin, by the way, kids. Right. However, his joy, his passion, what he revels in more than anything, as you know, Jonathan, is the joy that his creation has brought to millions of people, and to to be able to share in that twice. Oh, dude. I, I, and that cartoon was only five episodes Five, to start. all paid for by Playmates. And then it takes off. Then it takes off. And, and actually, it wasn't received as well as they'd hoped, but it was received well enough that Group W said, well, let's make eight more. 
mm -hmm. and we'll make it 13 so we can strip it. And so they, we made eight more episodes and then it really, it blasted off. And I have to say, again, I mean, you're talking to a lottery winner. I love talking about my work now because I'm old enough to look back at how wonderful my career has been, especially in the context of my child. As I mentioned, he's 35 now, but let me tell you, to have an eight or nine-year-old boy when your old man is Raphael, dude, that was, from, for both of us, yeah. was so cool. I, I had the best time. I was a huge hit at career day. Yeah. Because my kid would say, hey, daddy, it's time to, you bet. And I walk in and, you know, it's, we're all lined up, the parents, you know, and teacher would say, well, here's Johnny's father, and he is a mortgage banker, and he's going to talk about how people buy homes. And this is Stephanie's mother. She is a veterinarian. She takes care of your doggies and kitties. This is Ash Paulson's dad, and he's Raphael. And oh, my <laughs> God. It was like the parents were, you know, shooting daggers at me. But what a wonderful opportunity, all as a result of Kevin and Peter. You know what's really funny, Rob, and I looked at your name a million times. Ash has been on the show. Ash has been on the show? Yes, Ash. Are I you kidding just, me? Geekscape is, you just, like, did you hear the little, <laughs> did you hear the mice connect the, 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 the synapses in my brain? I didn't know that this. Like, I've known Ash for 10 years. He's been from, on the show whenever we do an E3 special yeah, a couple years you mean ago. From, um, from, uh, I, I met him through Destructoid and all that stuff. And, I just, I I've seen just, him naked. I just now, <laughs> at many stages you have. Yeah. I just put two and two together that you were Ash's father. Oh, bless your heart. Well, let I've me tell you something. I've been friends with Ash. I've been friends with your son for over 10 years. That makes, Jonathan, that That's makes insane. me so happy. And, and you know what? Well, folks, you are witnessing something that is utterly unplanned, totally organic. My adoption. Glorious. <laughs> no, you're in the family because... Um, uh, my son, as you know, works at Game Explain. Yes, and I just saw you re um, retweet him as I was preparing for this episode. I was like, let me catch up on some recent discussions. This I just, morning, I yeah, just saw you re retweet him, and I said, I need to go to Facebook. I don't think I have Ash's cell anymore. Let me go to Facebook. Let me send him a Facebook message and, and see if he wants to, to hang out again. Because it's been a while since yeah. I talked to Ash. Oh, my God. No, he's, he's making those Game Explain videos. And I, but anyway, see that... Folks, what you just witnessed was <laughs> utterly authentic, and it makes me so happy because it's starting to happen more where people your age will say, oh, wait a minute, you're Ash Paulson's dad? <laughs> I love that. Because, as you can imagine, now, you know, one of my dear friends is Mark Hamill. Now, it's not the same. Ash and my family, you know, we all know Mark and Mary Lou and the kids are all great. However, Ash, to be sure, in this realm, has had to go through a little bit of Oh, wow, you're Rob Paulson's dad. And all Long that. shadows. Right. Yeah. And it's not like being Luke Skywalker, but I'm now understanding. It's, it's different. I've had this chat with Mark. I said, what do, you know, Nathan and, and um, Griffin, mm -hmm. what do they go through? Eh, you know, it's, 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 it requires a conversation. Um, and Ash is finding his own way. And he has, he has cultivated his own fan base, and he's doing a great job. But he was born and raised in Los Angeles. Right. And he was born and raised... Every time you'd have a birthday party, it would be with Frank Welker and Mark Hamill and Tress McNeil and all the Billy West would show up because we're all friends. Right. So he never saw anybody who didn't work. He never saw anybody who didn't do that gig for money. Yes. You know? The reparenting is something that I've thought about in, in my own life. Um, Geeks gave us... We can do impersonations later. <laughs> I just, if this is your first Geekscape, welcome. Uh, this is really where I go on these episodes. I love this. Talking a little bit about more about our mental wellness and yeah. our place. Um, you know, my father, 
is a is now a writer, but he started out as a he was a trial lawyer for for decades, right. and and he and he's a very good one, and he did a lot of great things wow. like, um, you know, manufacture gun manufacturers and putting them hopefully out of business in some right. ways, um, you know, and and you know I look at people like my father, and I'm I'm like oh that's the reason there's helmets, right. that's the reason seat belts work, that's the reason helicopters don't just fall out of the air. Right. Um, and in in Austin, he he does cast long shadow. Had it gone into law, I would have been ben, in that shadow. But are you from Austin? I am from Austin, Beautiful and so city. so now, in like at the age of forty, I've been looking back in the last couple of years. And Geekscapers, who've been with me a while, know the last couple of years have have involved a divorce and this and that. Yeah. And the idea of reparenting in your thirties, which is something oh, I think we all do. Great word, yeah. This 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 reparenting, and, and now it, Ash grew up. In a similar long shadow, mm-hmm. in the context of of his social life, was your social life mm-hmm. for a long time, and his view of entertainment was your view of entertainment. Totally. And now Ash has to recontextualize and reparent himself. How do you give him that distance? For me, it was easy. I just moved fifteen hundred miles yeah. away. <laughs> and, and even right. then, that that you know, no, no, no. I, I idolize my father so much that of that, and that's the that thing even is those in human some ways, it's almost conversations. Easier if you don't love your parents, like you can yes, say, "Screw you." Exactly. I love my boy. He loves me. You know, I talk to him almost every day, and I believe that our relationship is stronger now than it was when we were younger. Not when we were real young; it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. When he was, yeah, you're right, fifteen to twenty-five. Oh, very tough. I'm. Completely yeah. angry at myself right. for things that I said to my father. And again, geeks gave us hate to turn this into Jonathan Hour, but no, it's, no, it's been Jonathan do. Hour for thirteen it's years. Your damn show. Uh, <laughs> but but I lost my older brother at seventeen. We oh. lost our, our our brother, my brother Daniel, oh, was hit by a drunk. Oh, don't drink, don't drink yeah. and drive. And during that period, my rage at eighteen, six, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty for for years, yeah. my rage. You aim, you aim it at the people who won't leave you. Right. You aim it at the people you're well, most that's why the phrase, comfortable we with. We always hurt the ones we love. We always hurt yeah. the ones we love. And I think about some of the crap that yeah. I told my father in those years in moments of anger. Yeah. And it's, it, it's embarrassing to me. It's, to, it's to humbling. You, to you. Absolutely. Yes. That's the thing, yes. not to your dad. No, you need awareness. That's what you makes, need to step out. That's what makes a good parent is he understands, and, and I hopefully, like your father, understand where the difficult words are coming from, that I learn to take a punch and understand and contextualize with my own relationship with my own father. Mm-hmm. And folks, that's why there are people who are therapists. Right. Because it is so, honestly, Jonathan, isn't it remarkable how anything gets done? Because people who are supposed to love each other, folks who were there when your children were born and you end up having these really difficult relationships and then you bring a wife or a mother into a situation who has their own... I wasn't ready to bring a wife into this situation. Oh my God. It's just, it's so difficult. And Ash and my sweet, beautiful daughter-in-law is from Nigeria. Mm -hmm. My kid could have picked somebody to fall in love with from Neptune. Right. And they'd had more in common uh, (laughs) with, with American... Cultural values. When he was 15, were you glad it wasn't the video games making him violent? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He just liked to take a swing. But you know what? It was his mom. Yeah. It was uh, my wife, Parrish, who was the one who had the foresight. Uh, I would come home. Ash was uh, homeschooled from the time, I think it was ninth, 10th grade. Anyway, he did fine. You're really trying to angle his independence How at about this point. This? Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> and he did a great job. But I would come home and I would say, 
uh, I'm not trying to be a pain in the ass, and you're the one staying home with our kid, and God bless you. But he's playing video games. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And she yeah. said, well, he got his schoolwork done. And he did. Yeah. He got a four-point, applied to a pile of colleges, got into every one of them. But I had to be the one to understand that the paradigm has shifted just because I went to traditional public school, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my, I would say, well, maybe he can, let's go outside and we'll run around, we'll play tennis, we'll do something. And she said, honey, this kid is into video games. And I said, well, every kid is. And she said, no, no, he's special. He's kind of like you in <laughs> your you know, desire to sing and make weird voices. You inherit the good and you inherit right. the bad. Right, the stuff that your mom used yeah. to tell me about, the times I'd say, why don't you, because I was, I was a hockey player because we didn't have video games. I went outside. And you were in Michigan. In Michigan. <laughs> but she said, honest to God, Rob, he's like, he wants to go see Harry Gregson Williams conduct the orchestra at the Disney Concert mm -hmm. Hall for the music of uh, Chrono Trigger. This kid is into it, man. Mm -hmm. And I'll be damned. She was absolutely right. And that's where he, I'm really grateful he did not decide to be an actor. Only because, uh, I don't even want to know what would have happened if he'd have walked into an audition and it was like, wow, oh, you're Rob's kid. Go ahead and read this. Yeah. And then even if he did a great job, if his perception of his audition because he didn't get it is because he's not as good as me, that would have been killer. Right. Because I've done 2,000 plus half hours. That means I've auditioned for 5,000. Yeah. But Ash would have automatically put it I'm Rob's kid. Everyone should go out of the park. I should yeah. knock every one of these right. out of the park. And so that didn't happen. I'm very right. grateful for that. But you know what? You're right. Now that he's in his 30s, man, he's doing great. And I am so thrilled that we had this exchange. Same. Because exactly what's happened with us to now on a, on a much more interesting level happens all the time. I travel around the country to do live performances, autograph books and stuff. And inevitably, somebody comes up and says, wait a minute, I, I'm a big game nerd you're you have the same age as my favorite game journalist ash paulson <laughs> makes me so happy so thank you buddy. well ash you're welcome to come back on oh the show yeah whenever we got to talk about i mean we got to talk video games dude sure so please come on the show ash um <laughs> voice lessons this book that you put out yeah thank you the, the subtitle for this book is how tell me again how mm. ninja Ninja Turtles and... How a couple Ninja Turtles, yeah. Pinky and an Animaniac saved my life. What the you, forward of which was written by Ash, by the way. So what do you mean by that? Well, so, it is pretty much true. Um, the book is not a compendium of, my name's Rob Paulson, you, might, you know me from this, and then I did, and then I did, and then I won. And, and then I don't I want did. this podcast to be that either, clearly. Right. Like, that's not fun for Precisely. me. Precisely. We don't do trivia here. <laughs> right, we don't. And the truth is that... Look, you guys, we were discussing earlier before we went on uh, started recording with uh, your buddy... Uh, Bruce Smith. Bruce, yeah. we're, we're recording in the same offices that we've done a few of these right. episodes. Right, and Bruce through. is uh, you know, talking about how he's an artist. I, can't, I, I don't draw the characters. I don't write them. I don't score the music. I am just the actor and the singer. And I don't mean to uh, downgrade my contribution. It is integral, but no more than integral than the guy who writes the script or the woman who writes the script. Without a script, you got nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm good at my job. But before I had a particular incident in my life, I had fans, well-meaning fans and friends say, dude, you've had, you know, you've been around in Hollywood now for 40 years. Pinky, Yakko, Raphael, Donatello, Carl Weezer, The Tick. A couple of snorks. The Mask, a couple of snorks. <laughs> um, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Biker Mice, uh, all this other stuff. And you're now Rick and Morty. You're still working every day. You got a book in you. And I said, well, 
maybe, but I thought the last thing, and again, it's not false modesty, the last thing the world needs, Jonathan, is another celebrity memoir, especially from a guy who's not a celebrity. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a story of redemption. I don't have a story of 14 trips to rehab. I don't have a story of 12 marriages. I, I, I've had an idyllic childhood. I love my wife. I've been married for 30 years. I love my kid. However, three years ago at this time, I was undergoing um, treatment for stage three throat cancer. And that was a bit of a curveball because of what I do. Uh, everybody, sadly, knows tragedy. You better than anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and cancer is ubiquitous. Um, however, in the context of what I do, I thought, well, now, if I get through this, and I, I have an interesting story to tell, and it turns out that while I was going through my treatment, the story that I ended up telling is about Raphael, Donatello, Pinky, Yakko, Carl, all these characters that have meant so much to millions of other people, often people whom I've spoken to as those characters, and the parents keep in touch with me after their children pass away. I have had, I don't even know, Jonathan, mm-hmm. A hundred opportunities to speak with children on the phone. Not just me. Tom Kenny, who's SpongeBob, does it all the time. Yeah. We all do it. Athletes do it. Famous. We love doing it. But there's something to be sure about the way animated characters affect people. You just talked about your affinity for Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, man, it is way bigger than a paycheck. And it's way bigger than I ever thought. The examples of utter courage that I was shown by hundreds of children, I would say a third of them who didn't make it, uh, and their parents who keep in touch with me to say, Rob, I I know you're struggling with throat cancer. We're really thinking about you, but you don't even know what it meant to Jordy that Yakko talked to him on the phone. You will never know. He's been gone for 12 years now, but I have a picture of you talking to Jordy as Yakko. And that shit, pardon me, happens all the time. And that saved your life. That did. Correct. Because I had those examples of utter courage through the characters that I've made a living at. To fight. And, the, and the, now you've got to fight in you. Right. And they helped me take a punch. And I, I have, uh, the one thing that I've always had is an unquenchable, unde- undeniable spirit of joy. I'm always a happy guy. I always default <laughs> to the happy place. It's not always the best place to go for as an adult. It's not an easy default. Right. It is, it is the hard default. It is, and it's not always the best place for a relationship, and that's part of the book, is my book is not um, a, you know, always look on the bright side of life. It's, this is why it works, and I believe that laughter is the best medicine. Mm-hmm. However, um, there are lots of lessons to be learned, and they're not. The, it, there are times when it's not good to be, um, to turn a blind eye because you want to be happy. Yeah, I was meditating on levity. Mm. <laughs> this is no a few problem. days ago, and um, my meditation a few days ago is a guided meditation was on levity, and I'm always accused. Not accused. I do it. Good. Of sometimes distancing, uh, you know, when there's an uncomfortable conversation or there's uh, something of making a joke. And guilty. It, Same yes, thing, John. This is what we do. But but the levity is a distancing to give context. Sometimes you are so in the pain. Sometimes right. you you can't help but put burden on your shoulders, which doesn't help what you're carrying. The anger doesn't help. The the sadness doesn't help. These things are constructs of our limited scope 
from our singular perceptions. Mm -hmm. They are not the reality. Our feelings and thoughts are not the reality. They are our singular perception. And, and, and sometimes we need to make a joke to step outside of it right. enough to look at it and say, is this situation as bad as it, you, how do I even deal Boy, with this? I'm so glad you, because I, even in the book, and I, you, 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 man, you, I'm so glad we're chatting. Well, I'm putting my own thoughts together for a project. Yes. This stuff. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. I, I, and it's all true. In the book, I say, you know what, you guys, I'm 63 now. Life, it turns out, cries wolf a lot. Mm -hmm. There, the wolf isn't always at the door. However, it's about your own context, as you said. I, I have had, even when I had throat cancer, or when I was diagnosed, my response was not, oh my God, I'm a, I'm a voice guy. Well, I, my response was, well, why not me? I just spoken to a kid who's not gonna make it out of a wheelchair and, in, until he dies, which is maybe if he's lucky, 12. So he's gonna spend his whole life in a chair with his mom beating the daylights out of his back to clear up the congestion in his lungs so he can breathe and enjoy his time in his freaking wheelchair. Yeah. Come on. Um, so it helps me, humor and, and joy help me contextualize when there really is a problem. And I've gotten much better as I've gotten older to say, okay, I'm not gonna be funny here because this is a problem. This is an issue that I need to be an adult with. My go-to thing before that was like path of least resistance, I can make you laugh, whether it was because I didn't wanna get beat up or whether it's because I would, it would be charming and the girl whom I'm making laugh thought I was cute because I'm funny. You're feeding your ego. Right, yeah. and so I now know there's a time and a place for everything, but most of the time in my life, things aren't as bad as they seem. And it sounds hackneyed, but it really is true. But you fall into that false empowerment where yeah. you say, hey, I'm gonna f I know what I'm doing well. I'm gonna fall into my false empowerment and it's something I like to say a lot. I, I don't remember where I heard it. It might have been off of, of the Tim Ferriss podcast, but it's... Well, that's a great one, isn't it? It's a good one. <laughs> and it's uh, easy decisions equal hard life, hard decisions equal an easy life. Yeah. And putting those things off, putting those real feelings off, putting those real discussions off, those are easy decisions. To but, make. But then you're putting, you're shoveling everything into the you closet. Pay and, the piper. And you, when you open that closet, you've built a monster. <laughs> totally. And that's what I'm learning. And um, I went through a period with uh, my own career that it's in the book too. Um, the, the reason it's called voice lessons is because obviously I make my living with my voice and I have learned so much uh, about this career with my voice. Um, I went through a really slow period of my career in my mid 50s in which I'd already reached a point where I thought, all right, I know I'm not gonna, I, I, I don't take any of it for granted, but I'm, I'm a fixture in LA Anybody who needs to know me knows. Mm -hmm. And there are people coming up now who have grown up with the work I've done. They want to start hiring, Justin Roiland, people mm -hmm. like that start hiring me. I'm good. Not arrogant, confident. But you know what? It went away. Yeah. The hustler went away. Yep. The, guy the who hustled, hustler went the hustler away. Went That's away. What, and, and moreover, the hunger went away. Right, yeah. exactly. Moreover, what went away was the joy that got me out here in my little Honda in 1978. I started focusing too much on, holy crap, my, it's, I'm not working. Well, you know, you're not working. It happens to everybody. And I talked to Billy Weck, Maurice Welker, Tress, Nancy Cartwright, Tara, all these friends. Robbie, come on, mm -hmm. you know, it's slow. It's for everybody. Go play golf. And I did, but that wasn't it. 
it was the hunger. It was the drive to be creative. And I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, and Jonathan, what got me back on track was, as you say, reparenting, was re, re sort of rabbizing myself mm -hmm. and saying, remember that joy that you would achieve for, for yourself just, just for making funny noises because it, it felt good. <laughs> and, you know? yeah. I mean, it's not the best Rocky, but you just right, lived thank Ro you. Yeah. the Rocky Five. Oh, yeah, very you good. just relived Rocky Stallone. Five where he fights Tommy Morrison. Yes, he got was, that. It's like maybe the worst I got Rocky. To, I, by the way, I got to speak to Tommy Hearns on the phone today because I'm that from Tommy Detroit. Hearns? And that was pretty cool because yeah. I got to t speak to Tommy the Hitman Hearns, which is a big deal for That's me. the kid in, in Rocky Five. No, Tommy Hearns was a uh, big uh, middleweight, cha okay. middleweight champion from okay. Detroit, but he's a Ninja Turtle freak. And he's now, <laughs> he's about my age. But when I talked to him on the phone, it's Raphael. He, it was pretty cool here. And I said, hey, champ, how you doing? Grown man. Really Raphael? I said, it is. Oh, man, I love you, man. I said, I love you too, champ. It was pretty cool. But Raphael, you say, is closest to your voice. Yeah, because Raphael is pretty much, it's an attitude. He's kind of right. a smart ass, but so am I. So Raphael is Shredder, you tin-faced geek. Get mm -hmm. back here and taste cold turtle steel. And Jonathan's going, oh my God, that's Raphael. <laughs> but, um, and then Donatello is a little lighter. He's a little nerdier. I had Sean Astin on the show. He did a Raphael Yeah, Sean as well. was Raphael in, yeah. in, the, in the... The one between you. Right. In the, well, no, he was in Raphael in the version in which I was Donatello. Donatello, there you go. It was Seth Green was Leo. Uh -huh. Greg Sipes was Mikey. Uh, Sean was Raph and I was Donnie. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, I was, thank God, able to say, oh, no, 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 it's not about playing golf. It's not about this. It's not about that. It might be about playing golf, but not to you. You're not ready to mm. stop. It's about the chase. Not the chase. Thank yeah. you. for You're, you're so articulate. And well, it's just, I, I keep picturing the, the Golden State Warriors team that lost to LeBron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because they, well said. they had the best team. They, they won 73 games. They had the best team. And they had lost nine games all year. Right. The best regular season record in history. Hey, man. And they aimed for the regular season record, and they forgot about the rest hey, of it. Hey, it happened last year. I'm a big hockey mm -hmm. fan. Last year with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm -hmm. The People were calling, by God, this is the team of the century. And they were swept in four straight by the Columbus Blue Jackets in the Stanley Cup playoffs. First round. Done. That's showbiz. We've seen that happen. The Dallas All Maverick. the time. Yeah, we yeah, see it, it happens in every all sport. the time. So, I found that joy again in the creative process. And, I, and then I was back on track. I got through my own issues. I was almost a, vig a victim of my own ageism. When uh, Ninja Turtles number two came along, my agent called and said, hey, uh, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Viacom now owns the rights to TMNT and they're gonna do a new version. This was 2011. Yeah, when they sold it to Nickelodeon. Yeah. yeah. And I said, uh, oh, man, that's great. And she said, well, they want to have you come read for Donatello. And I said, well, do they know who I am? Not out of arrogance. Right. But because there have been several iterations of the show that have been done without the original four guys from the beginning. And I'm fine with that. It's another producer. I just didn't want to get in there and have them say, oh, oh, that's right. You were Raphael. I'm so sorry. Well, you know what? You're here. Let's throw the old guy a bone. Because I was 55. And I had not realized that the people who, about your age, maybe a little older, had grown up with the Turtles, and now they're in charge. So my agent called and said, no, 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 honey, they know exactly who you are. They knew that they love Pinky, they love Raphael. They, they think Kevin Conroy is the best Batman. Right, like, totally. They, they know Mark what is the doing. Joker. Right? Yes, they think, so yes. So you, they really would like to have you, if you're okay with reading. Mm -hmm. So of course I'm okay with reading. I, I'm a journeyman actor. I, I don't have any... Uh, 
ideas about my, you know, my, my stardom. I don't. And, and the character gets, in, it's inhabited by several actors. Sure. You've done that a couple times where you're not available and they, they the, this else. actor comes in. But sure, it's the character. The character is the lodestone. Right. That's what you're chasing. That's what you're, right. that's, and that's I your. I understand that. My ego is totally in check. So when my agent said, no, no, they just, they want to hear you. They like you. They just think you'd be right for their vision of what they want from Donatello. And I got the job. I was the one who had to get over my age. Because mm -hmm. I walked in at a callback and there's uh, Jason Bateman and John Cryer. And my first thought of, what the hell are you guys doing here? And they're going, yeah. are you kidding me? This is Ninja Turtles, bro. This is Ninja freaking Turtles. This is a big deal. They're stoked. Stoked. Yeah. Utterly. And I'll be damned. I got over myself, not my ego, I got over my age and just said, Rob, nobody cares. Remember, Rob? Remember what you were just talking? Nobody cares what you look like. So swing for the fences. And I got the freaking job. Did it land a fire under your ass? Yeah. <laughs> you walk in and you see guys. I mean, Jason Bateman. Sure. Oh, he's a star. A sudden heart streak. I mean, mm -hmm. after. And a wonderful talent. Awesome. And a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then suddenly, you know, it's like, wake up, Rob. Sure. Because. With all these proliferations of, of channels, people have to start putting these stars as the the selling point to a lot of this stuff. And, well, and somebody and the, like Jason Bateman hey is going to pull and eyeballs. I was so gratified because I had determined uh, that what I need to do, uh, my challenge, it seems to me, to try to compete on a, on a high level in animation, uh, Especially in the age of, as you said, uh, you know, George Clooney might be the talking dragon. They're going to mm -hmm. pay him $3 million bucks to be the talking dragon. I know I can compete with George in those chops. Sure. i got no problem with that. But nobody knows me walking down the street. It's changing mm -hmm. because of the nature of social media. Because you're Ash's dad. Yeah, because I'm Ash's dad. <laughs> exactly. But uh, once people find out, it's just joyful. Mm -hmm. Utterly joyful. I say, narf, and they flip out. It's, the, it's fantastic. Um, but so my challenge has become, how do I raise my profile? How do I get to the point where Nickelodeon says, oh, we're going to do a reboot of whatever, sure. and we're going to hire um, this celebrity to be that character. And the, how do I say, how do I get in the mix and say, you guys, if you hire me, I can do the job. Yeah. But if you hire me and you put me on uh, Jimmy Kimmel to talk about it, all I got to do is open up my mouth and I got him. As soon as I look at the band and say, United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, they're going to do what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And they'll all go, oh my God, that's Yakko. So in this context, it's not about literally selling tickets to see my face, but in this context, I'm a star mm -hmm. uh, as a result of the characters. So if you want to get people to pay attention uh, respectfully, I might actually be more help to you in this realm than George Clooney. Not because George is not a movie star, no. but in this realm, if people say, oh my God, I love Animania. Oh my God, wait a minute. Oh, you're Pinky and Yakko. Now you're doing this thing for Nickelodeon. You were already Carl Weezer. I love that character. You know, I love Jimmy Neutron. Now you're talking about, hey, I'm going to watch. I submit, you give me a shot. And mm -hmm. by extension, you give Billy West a shot. Or you put Jim Cummings on there, who, who is the voice of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Taz. Last year... When the movie uh, Winnie the Pooh came out, I had said to Jimmy, oh my God, Jim, that is an Oscar-worthy performance. If there's ever an Oscar for a voice talent, you're, dude, a month later, Jonathan, there was a Vanity Fair article that said, there is an Oscar-worthy performance in Winnie the Pooh and it's not Ewan McGregor. Mm -hmm. And it was about Jim. 
And so that's kind of my mission, too, is to shed a bigger light on all these incredible talents and say, it's nothing, not taking anything away against, from Brad Pitt, but let me tell you about Frank Welker. Right. You know, let me tell you about Tress McNeil. These people will blow your mind. But now that, I mean, there's a couple things I can do. <laughs> I can go on a couple different threads. Please, tangent but the, the, away. The, 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 the tangent I'm looking at is the one where I've argued for a few years now that, in no offense to the big stars, big stars and... I have meetings about financing my longer films all of the time, course. and stars are the thing it's that people want to hear. It's show business, yeah. But the characters, especially when we're just buying back our childhoods anyway, and now we have Avengers movies oh and uh, Star Wars movies and uh, all the different things that are going to happen on Disney Plus and all the different things. We're just going to we're we're making comic books. We're making cartoons on the big screen now. Um, at what point do we look up and say, you know what, the star of this movie is Iron Man? No offense to Robert Downey Not Jr. Not Robert Downey. It's Iron Man. Because Robert Downey, I remember, I've told the story on the show where when I moved to L.A., he was playing his guitar outside that 76 station That's on right. Burton. In, mm-hmm. in, on Little Santa Monica sure. where it turns into Burton. I know right where that is. He would just hang out with yeah. his guitar there and, you know, and then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Iron Man and all that stuff. And Robert Downey Jr. is awesome. Sure, he's great. But people went to see... It's I mean, not we about thought seeing Terrence Howard Stark. Was it's right. about seeing him in the suit. And I... To- and I represent- no offense to the actors. Not a but bit. But the characters are always what this is about. Always. And that's what I get, too. That's why the Ninja Turtle movies were successful. I had not one line in any Turtle movie. Mm-hmm. Not one. And there were several actors who would be replaced from movie to movie for whatever reason. Well, Corey not- Feldman was in the first Corey one. Corey and different Robbie guys, yeah. Rist. Mm-hmm. And my- it's about the characters. And how many Batman have there been? Batman have there been. There have been a Batman, few Batman. Right? Now, yeah. to my kid... Kevin is Batman, and Mark is the Joker. Period. End of story. He loves Chris Nolan. He loves Chris Bale, Mike Keaton, all those guys. But it's about Batman, not Ben Affleck, not Michael Keaton. It's about, or um, you know... Uh, <laughs> Adam sorry. West? Yeah, whomever. Yeah. Right, there you go. Adam, my I was going to say Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. <laughs> my, my Batman, right? And right? Adam West. It's about the mythology of the character. And I think we're starting to understand that, that the characters are really a big deal. And I and my friends who've been doing this a long time really know what we're talking about. I can tell you categorically, it's not about people standing in line saying, I'm going to wait for the next Rob Paulson movie to come out. However, if you want to have a certain area of expertise, if you open the door to getting Welker, if you, if you had Frank Welker and Peter Cullen on The Ellen Show talking about as soon as that boy mm-hmm. opens his mouth and says, Autobots roll out. No, when, when Frank Cullen over. did that, I mean, thank goodness Michael Bay yeah. did that. Yeah, Got And Maurice LaMarche called me like, from the Chinese theater. He sent me a text. He's saying, oh, my God, I'm watching Transformers, and it's Peter Cullen. And you don't, in, sorry, Michael, but as a Transformers fan, I didn't recognize a lot of Transformers. I didn't recognize a whole lot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sure. those last couple iterations. Because you heard me and my friends a thousand times in your head. And the designs were weird, yeah. <laughs> and was in, in, and didn't really know what was happening with the story, and I, I just didn't know what an all spark was. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly, but but there's a but suddenly you hear Peter Cullen say, Autobots like, roll out," and yeah. you're like, "Okay, wow. I'm in that. I'm in. Right. I'm buying." And it. I thought the I thought the the Bumblebee movie was great. Fantastic. Um, I th- Yuri was on the show a year ago after Spider-Man came out. I think that's, that's one of the best that? Spider-Mans ever. Oh, my God. He blew my mind. I mean, I know how talented both he and Tara are. Mm-hmm. 
and they're also the nicest kids in the world. But man, did he kill it on Spider-Man. He that Spider-Man it. is amazing. And yeah. talking to him about the handoffs that they did in the mocap stage, mm-hmm. where he's doing Spider-Man talk, you know, as Peter Parker talking in a in a in, you know in an apartment, and then he's got to do some stunt to jump out the window, and yeah. he's doing a mocap handoff to a stunt performer, so they can get a, kind of all in one as much as they can. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And Geekscape is if you're new to the show. Go back and find that Yuri Lowenthal episode. It's about a year ago, and uh, and I love that game. Oh yeah, and, he, and my kid too. I because I, I talked to Ash about um, Yuri because I did a um, show with him called Ben Ten years mm-hmm. ago at Cartoon Network. I realized he was Ben Ten because Keyscape is like one of these episodes and like only semi research because I just like talking well, sure. to so my fans. Many, yeah. Uh to and I love talking to the guests. Uh y- if you listen to the first time Yuri was on the show, I realized that he's been 10 Isn't middle great? middle of the way through the episode. But see, that's the coolest <laughs> thing about this gig. I I don't even know. We all have prodigious IMDb's cuz we can knock out two or three of these a day. Sure. So it's not like you have to sit, be on a set for 2 months. And I forget all the time and I've had people in the middle of an interview say, "Wait a minute, you you were you were Arthur on the tick? Oh my God, dude, that was my jam. Would you please say not in the face? I'm not in the <laughs> face. Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> I've had it on the golf course. I've had it happen in public conversation. It's the most glorious, wonderful, utterly humbling, but profoundly happy experience on both sides of the equation. But I inter- inter- interrupted you and I apologize. No, uh, okay. you, you were saying that you were mentioning to Ash about Yuri. Oh yeah, what I was saying was, hey man, you know, yeah, I like Ben Ten, and Ash is like, he's he's Spider Man. Yeah, to me, he's Spider Man. Yeah, and he's fantastic. And I saw the game, and oh yeah, it's remarkable. The game's amazing. And Geekscape is just as a Geekscape note. Uh, to me, Yuri is Brian in our short film Chasing Fletcher Allen that you guys oh. helped finance. <laughs> cool. So I'm sending it out to festivals, and I'm I'm kind of immersed in finishing that movie so we can get it out. And uh, and you Geekscapists were responsible for that. So your friends Phil and Yuri are both yes. in the movie. Excellent. And they've uh, both been on my podcast. Yeah. They've been on your podcast. Talk about your podcast. Thank you. I had a podcast for years, and but I you don't do it anymore. I don't at the moment because, right. frankly, I'm too busy pushing my book. Um, and doing live performances of Animaniacs in concert around the country um, with my partner Randy Rogel, who wrote most of those. As a build-up to the Hulu? Um, no, Seriously? it was something we just did because we wanted to. Right. And now I've had people say to me, you know, I have a feeling that you and Randy going out there and banging that drum literally uh, with orchestras and stuff around the North America has have maybe had something in lighting a fire under Warner Brothers and, and Amblin. And I said, well, I look, I would never presume to have any effect on what Mr. Spielberg does. But I have to say that when Randy and I really put our juice into performing all these songs, sometimes with a piano at a club, 200 people, but the audience loves it. They go nuts. They go nuts. And it's not a bunch of 10-year-olds, it's a bunch of 40-year-olds who want to hear, you know, it's a great big universe and we're all really puny, we're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney. Why does my generation have such a problem with adulthood? Oh my God. (laughs) I'm kidding. Is it the distancing again? Does does, does existing in your childhood, is it it context? Because I actually have a big... I have a problem a little bit, Geekscape. And I know that I, I started Geekscape to talk about these things, but when it, yesterday I see Disney Plus go up and everybody's saying, oh, The Mandalorian is the Star Wars I've wanted since I was a kid. Yeah. And I say, well, it wasn't for lack of trying on no Star Wars' behalf. They've been putting stuff out for 30 years. 35 years, and, yeah. Uh, how is that not the Star Wars you wanted as a kid? Oh, because 
This is the one that wasn't for kids. The Mandalorian's a little grittier. It's well, a little more okay. adult. It, I, you grew up with. You expected the franchise to grow up with you. I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I. It turns out, as I get older, history in general, whether it's personal or otherwise, is about context. It just is. Nobody, well, maybe a few. I could have envisioned watching high-def movies on the thing I'm holding in my hand. You should hand. not watch movies well, on I know that. that. Or, or being in the middle of the Gobi Desert and punching a couple of things and say, where's a Starbucks? Oh, there's right. one in Ankara. Right. Just you got to get there. Did you do that? Uh, no. I would <laughs> like that, to, one of these do, days. Yeah. But I don't see how anybody can literally... It, I would submit that a number of the people who tell you, this is the Star Wars I've been looking for, are people who might be 30, 35. I'm 63. I was 23 when Star Wars came out. It blew my mind. Yeah. I never thought that I'd have Mark Hamill at my, birth, my kid's birth, 18th no. birthday party. Everything is about context. And that's what I try to do. I, whether it's and, and I love that you chat about all these tangential things. I just want us to question why we're... Existing I in our childhood, it, it is. It, well, I, I do believe. I, I think there is. It's even what I try to talk about my with with Ash. When we talk about really deep social issues, uh, I have a unique circumstance in my life. I'm going to ask you to move your hand. So, oh, I'm but, sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine. I have a unique circumstance in my life. My son is married to a woman of color, an African woman. Mm -hmm. Not an. Af I mean, I think I guess she's an African American woman now. Yeah. but She's from Nigeria. My brother is gay and married to his partner of 25 years, and I'm from Detroit and Flint, Michigan. I'm from about as Midwestern blue collar as you can get. And I have a daughter-in-law from Africa and a brother who's gay. My, my frame of reference is different than most 63-year-old Caucasian men. So when my son years ago said to me in just short of a rage, how could the initiative not passed that allowed gay marriage in California. This is despicable. This is yeah. disgusting. Look at Uncle Mike. Look at our friends who are gay. Okay. Well, I said to him, buddy, I, I get what you're saying, and you are disparaging the, the big chunk of the country that there is between L.A. and New York, of which I was a major part, and your grandmother's from Iowa. You know, there is a lot of part of the country, and they're not a bunch of Philistines. Yeah. I said, in fact, with all due respect, do you know which state legalized gay marriage first? And he said, well, no, probably New York. I said, Iowa. Yeah. Now, what that tells me is that there are people who will, like everything else, who will die out. Who, and the next time it comes up, it will happen. It is now, of course, a, a constitutional right. Mm -hmm. But it's about context. It doesn't mean that the people involved are all evil. It means that their frame of reference, my parents are both gone now. But they were born in the 20s, and reefer madness was their context with respect to marijuana. Right. It's difficult to say to people who are in their 70s or 80s, you are a piece of shit because of the way you believe. Well, now, wait a minute. They're, they're not all that way. They just have a little trouble trying to figure out, I, I think I know a gay man. He seems fine. Or I think I know a gay woman. But this right. is difficult for me to... Because this just wasn't the way I was reared. By the time I was raising children, I'd had 40 years where people tell me this is just not the way things go. I don't feel that way. But my context yeah. is different because I have a gay brother and I love him. But a lot, most people don't have gay relatives. Mm -hmm. So the reason I love these conversations is because, like we were talking about, Star Wars, whether it's something that is uh, entertainment, substantial entertainment, and iconic entertainment to be sure, 
or really deep social issues. It's about context to me. Yes, and, and in, in our need to shovel information to each other's heads, the, the simplification caused by the binary horse race says it's us or them, and someone in Iowa who is 70 and, and hasn't had the context of a... They just need to know somebody. They just need to, to know. To learn it, and that's and it. We're just it, stripping context. Guys, we're speaking in hieroglyphics exactly. at this point. Like, let's and stop with the emojis. Well said, and you start throwing out terms inevitably, like if you're on the hard right, you say, oh, those snowflake pinko fags on the left... Or if you're on the uh, on the right, on, if you're on the left, Uneducated. you say those Nazis on the Nazi, right. Yeah. And when you start throwing terms like, you know, Nazi, fascist, it, you got to be careful. There might be a few of them. There might be. <laughs> With, well, certainly we have an American Nazi party. I know yes. that, and I understand that. But I also have friends because I'm older. I have friends who have relatives who were in the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and to a person, that doesn't mean they like the right. But to a person, they say, you know, my grandmother was at Buchenwald. And when you say Nazi, that's a, that's a tough one because yeah. that's the, that connotes people being literally hoarded and put into furnaces. Yeah. That's just somebody who hasn't... Right. And, and so that's why I love these talks because it, you're, I'm old enough to be your father. And I love it when people like you and my son and other bright young men and women take the time, really, to talk about things that are important. And then, and it's not that I'm trying to say, be like me. I'm just mm. saying, I've learned too. Uh, uh, I was watching the movie uh, about David Crosby that Cameron, Cameron mm-hmm. Crowe made. And Dave Crosby was talking about, you know, he was the embodiment of the counterculture. One of his biggest hits was Almost Cut My Hair. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 10 years older than, 15 years older than I. And he was talking about one of his greatest memories of Woodstock. I mean, this is a guy who recorded uh, about, you know, a song called uh, Ohio, about the, the killings of, Ma- of Kent, Kent then, State. Kent State, yeah. At Woodstock was extolling the virtues of the man, that is the cops, who helped a young woman who was ill and how all the hippies got together and helped that police cruiser get out of the mud so that policeman could take that woman to the hospital. And this, Woodstock is 50 years ago. And Kent State changed our country. Changed Like it just shifted our country. There was a huge arts movement in Kent State that evaporated. A sea change, right. Evaporated. So many artists came out of that. Oh, totally. And he talks about them. That whole community was full of artists and they went to all, they all came out to L.A. Oh, they they lived in Laurel Canyon. They all lived in Laurel Canyon, but they were at Kent State. Yeah. And when that happened. Joni Mitchell, Mm -hmm. you know, Neil uh, Neil Young, Tin Soldiers and Nixon Cumming were finally on our own. But David Crosby at 76 took the time to extol the virtues of the policemen Mm -hmm. and the hippies helping everybody out. His point was this example in Woodstock, whereas a few, in, in a different time and space, we might have been at utter odds, but we were all trying to help each other. It was this example of what we wanted the world to be, everybody helping each other. The policemen were doing their job, trying to help a sick girl, and all the hippies got together to help the police car get out of the mud. And what are we doing on this Twitter? What are right. we doing on this thing? Like, right. we're, we're, we're just... It's stripping ourselves of the context. Right. And I I get frustrated, but at the same time, I get heartened because now my context is when I go to, and I mean every convention, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. 
Every time I go to a convention, I'm on my way to one in Houston this weekend, it is, again, a microcosm of what I would like life to be. I now see people who are on the autism spectrum. When I was a kid, they would have been called retards. Yes. And now I see them utterly accepted. Sometimes there are people who have, uh, on the spectrum, who have trouble with uh, too much audio, too much visual sensory overload. In spectrum is a word I like to use a lot, not right. just for people on the spectrum, no, but, no. but we all have our tics. Of course we do. And we are all on that spectrum. We all have And I want, one, yeah. and when you think of someone with autism, not to take away from people who actually have diagnosed autism, but like the, the when the we are all on we some our, we spectrum. Our, we are all yeah. suffering from We're all this. Challenging. We challenged. all have this mental, yes. these mental things. So and it, there is a, it, and it's not even a spectrum from left to right. It is a, it's like a color wheel like spectrum. A, it is a, a three-dimensional spe- yeah. spectrum. It is a universal spectrum. We all have many, our stuff, and we have to think about that with everything and we need to slow down the information overload long enough to keep that awareness agree or we're just going to fall into these simplifications of left and right right and we start that's exactly what we're experiencing now you turn on the tv today and it's all about the impeachment hearings and it's all about that so when i i'm a sports nut i grew up playing hockey ditto not hockey i go to hockey games football whatever inevitably somebody's got the wrong jersey on have a couple of drinks Somebody swears, they offend their wife, take a punch, they're thrown out. Happens every sporting event. Sure. Booze. Okay. I have been to, I don't know, 75 cons around North America and Canada and Australia, some of which like New York or or San Diego are two or 300,000 people. This weekend it'll be probably 10,000, relatively small. Never once have I seen anybody asked to leave as a result of violence I have seen people stand in line and hold places in line and take people who are struggling with uh, their sensory overload outside to <sighs> calm down so they can go back and stand in line for the Batman. That's what my Geekscape booth is for at Comic-Con. Yeah. Give me 10 feet between me and everybody Isn't else. that the greatest? And now I, I work it. with a guy uh, who has put something together called Calmer Con. Yeah, I was researching him. Uh, your, Adam your friend, Wilson. Adam Wilson. How yeah. about that? His son, Logan is autistic mm-hmm. and he's come with his son to see us at uh, Animaniacs in Concert in New York. They live in the East Coast. And Logan is always there with his iPad and his headphones mm-hmm. on because that's, it's like I'm in my own little world but it's okay, they know me here. And it's, he still wants to come and experience this stuff. And his father and his mother, God bless them, try to find a way to get him a little more involved with people right. and interact. but. We now have these conventions, which I don't, you know, it, 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 it may not have been the, the goal, but the glorious, one of the glorious outcomes for me is to see how utterly inclusive they are. And Jonathan, I can't get enough of it. People come up to me, I can even show you the pictures when we're done, it's remarkable. But say, I mean, are, do you think we're in the minority on these things? Because we're in them. I, I don't. So do we? Well, can think, we look back yes, and be I like, mean, "Oh, there's other conferences, and those aren't so inclusive." Well, and, no, no, that's true. <laughs> that, I, that I don't know because I don't. That's go to my a lot worry of other is that is that we're only in the five percent of well, conferences. I think and it's getting everything pe- else is tiki torches. They're becoming. Well, no, I see I know, what you're saying. I know. If, I'm if, being you're, so, if you're looking at at an angry mob, you know, in 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 wherever it was in Virginia. You know, looking to go after the the, the snowflakes and mm-hmm. they're the Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. 
that's that's always been the way, and there will always be people who are out of control. But I've started to call Geekscape when people, somebody asks what Geekscape is because it started as a podcast, became a website. Now we do uh, use it as a production company, and we have a network and we have multiple mm-hmm. podcasts. I can't keep on top of it, <laughs> which is a conversation I've but had look with, what with Matt done. Kelly many times. Look how wonderful your my go-to now is. It's a kindness cult. Yeah, I just tell people Geekscape is a how kindness cult. Is it's a kindness cult. How great is if that? If you want to join a kindness cult. Go for it. <laughs> well, and your T-shirt is perfect. Don't hate, create. It's a kindness cult. And, uh, and my son, today, I just retweeted something. He asked me to retweet mm-hmm. it's about how gamers get so angry, especially at women. I had no idea about Gamergate. It's I didn't know brutality. any of that. It's not, it's, so it's not good. For my context, as an older person, I have committed myself to being open and learning. And I have never enjoyed myself more than when I go to conventions. I, I come home from every event exhausted, Jonathan. From saying thank you for three solid mm. days. Moreover, in immersing myself in the whole experience and taking great pride in opportunities, kind opportunities that you give people like me to talk about that stuff. Because I still have people who are my age who go, wow, guys dress up like that. I said, yeah, they do. And let me tell you something. You see how those guys were at a hockey game? You see how those guys right now are getting at, he just got just puked on his girlfriend. He's getting ready to go out. You will never see that mm-hmm. at an event. And there's booze there, mm-hmm. and there are people in line, and, I, and a lot of them walk in well, with weapons. Well, the guy in the hockey jersey is a cosplayer, too. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so let's be right. very clear. Oh, that guy's please. a cosplayer. Raider fans, a tell me about Raider total fans. Total cosplayer. Right? Giant skulls yeah. on their head. Okay. And if they play football on weekends in jerseys, then they're then LARPing. They're a little bit nutty. Yeah, they're that, LARPing. That's well LARPing. said. So I love this whole experience, and I believe that part of my mission, chosen, Nobody's foisted it on me. Part of my chosen mission is to say, oh my God, if my tribe is now a bunch of kids who want to dress up and they are willing to hold the hand of a person who doesn't know if they can make it to the bathroom by themselves and they'll help that stranger go to the bathroom, Mm -hmm. I'm in. Mm -hmm. That's what I want life to be like. I, I, I know it's not that simple, but this is what I want to be part of. My job is to create joy. And now I have people who tell me, my God, Jonathan, I have people who come up to me and say all the time, you're the voice of my childhood and you and Billy and all. Okay, that in itself is a profoundly humbling compliment. But then I'll have people who come up to me through tears and I'm talking about servicemen and women, you know, whatever, who will come to me and say, Mr. Paulson, but for Ninja Turtles, my life was in the shitter. I was... uh, I was born to a mother who had a drug addiction, never met my father. I was in the uh, foster system. I finally was, you know, um, emancipated by he, the court at 18. He, but he needed that message of right. brotherhood. Right. The, I went to six were. different homes. Yeah. I, I was always told, honey, we have to, it's time for you to move on. Broke my heart. Every goddamn time it broke my heart. But every time I got to a new home, there was a television. And as soon as I could click on Ninja Turtles, I was, I was okay. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Then these people come up to me and say, here's my wife, here are my children, and we're all wearing our turtle shirts, and we couldn't be prouder. So you have no idea, respectfully, Mr. Paulson, what Ninja Turtles means. And if there's one, there's a million of them. You were the family before they got their own family. Exactly. I mean, somebody who just had no me. family, and you think about somebody who'd been through a boy's home like that. Oh, my like, God. What they want is a family, and all they had was the turtles. That's it. And, and not even three-dimensional. It was a 2D animated right. version, and they hear my voice, and they start to tear up. Not because they're sad, because they're, thank God, 
for Raphael and Donatello mm -hmm. and Michelangelo. They, or, yeah. Right? They don't have parents who love them like you and Ash and most other kids. Right. So I am learning that's what voice lessons is about. It's about these characters are way bigger. And I love now being in a position where I can literally go to a pitch at Hulu or Netflix. And even if the pitch doesn't go well, the man or woman says, by the way, before you leave, Rob, would you sign my cookie? <laughs> it's the most glorious thing in the world right. because I now, I know what I'm talking about. And when I have uh, this sort of m minor bully pulpit that I'm given by lovely people like yourself who will say, go ahead, tell me your story, Rob. I, I never know when maybe even a studio head will say, holy sh, you know what? These characters are really big. There's an initiative that maybe we could put together with characters that are created just literally to reach people on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Because often these children and children, 25-year-old children, who will always need help buying a hot dog in their life, but for whatever reason, Yakko gets them out of their head, and it turns out that this particular child is an incredible artist. Let's see if we can help him. Oh my God, these characters are way bigger than an action figure. Yeah. And I know what I'm talking about. And you guys give me a chance to talk about it, man. It's a, it's a brand new aspect to my career that I never would have known. It's well, remarkable. Geekscapists, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Oh, I loved it. The book, I haven't shut up for a freaking hour. No, it's amazing. The book is called Voice Lessons. Uh, you guys can pick it up right now. I'm sorry we had Felicia Day on the show first. Oh, because please. Because I know your books were competing. No, no, no. They were released on there the same no time. There is no competing. Felicia I'm is... so sorry. Oh, no, no. And she is <laughs> so talented, so motivated, yeah. and I have utter respect. I've only met her once or twice. I don't think she knows who I am, mm -hmm. but I'm a big fan, and I'm really appreciative of what she did because she really is. She is like... In the most glorious way, the poster child, the beautiful, talented poster child for channeling your inner geek mm -hmm. and nerd. And I've had my podcast on the Nerdist Network. Chris Hardwick is one of my very best friends in the world and has been always supportive. Um, and he, in his own way, taught me as well about how to embrace this whole new aspect of my career that you and Ash and Felicia and others, people much younger than I, have already embraced, but I'm grateful that I'm part of the whole conversation. I can't get enough of it, dude, honestly. Well, Geekscapists, uh, I know maybe you went out and were like, hey, that was the book I was going to buy this month, and you told me to buy Felicia as well. I want you to also <laughs> buy Voice Lessons. <laughs> Thank you. The voice Lessons is perfect for, I mean, if you just listen to what Rob has to say, and this might actually fit under the tree with some of your, your family members. This Thank might you, actually buddy. be pretty valuable, especially family members who've grown up with these characters. And want to know a little bit more about this man, and, and, and also the, the power of positivity and the power of uh, being communal and being uh, positive and sharing with each other. I don't want to go into redundancy, and I'm a man of very few. The words. Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, dude, thanks for coming on the show. My so great much. pleasure. I'll um, say hi to my kid, or if you see him before I do, tell him I said hi. Will you? I'll tweet it. Right, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Geekscape is we're on uh, everywhere you can find Geekscape. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Search for Geekscape and join us up and talk to us and be part of the kindness cult. Um, I'm at Jonathan London on Twitter. And you, not only can you find voice lessons everywhere, fine books are sold digitally and in paper. But and my son Ash uh, also wrote the forward to voice lessons mm -hmm. and he reads it on the audiobook. That's awesome. Um, my uh, uh, his Twitter is at Ash Paulson S E N. Mine is at Yakko Pinky Y A K K L P I N K Y, and Rob underscore Paulson on uh, Instagram. And I think it's Rob Paulson voice actor on Facebook. But 
yeah, man, I'm all over the place. And like we say in the water tower, laughter is the best medicine. The cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. <laughs> Rob, thank you. My pleasure, bud. Thank you. Thanks, Geekscape. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.